Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. My name is Tracy Ariel and I am unapologetically Canadian. Hey, Tracy Ariel here, and it is Wednesday, September 9th, as I record this. I am busy preparing for the farmer's market later, and uh, today is also the uh, day of the final uh, deadline day for the Startup Canada uh, Export Challenge. And so uh, this is a great challenge because in order to compete, business owners have to put the description of their company into a video and so that the judges can determine who they want to sponsor for. They get $5,000 if you're a startup and you get $25,000 if you're um, scaling up. And so a lot of people have been starting to put videos in. Uh, this has been going on since June. Uh, and so I looked at three of them. Uh, the first one was Ross Chocolates out of Port Coquitlam, uh, BC. And he just did a very, the, and it wasn't the founder or anything, it was one of the employees. He didn't even introduce himself. But he was talking most about, about how Ross Chocolates has been in business for 22 years, uh, pro providing sugar-free chocolate to mostly to people with diabetes. And uh, they distribute some of their profits to uh, nonprofits that work with diabetes and diabetes research and things like that. But most of all, they provide chocolate for really good quality chocolate that's sugar-free and so uh, after watching this video I have celiac disease so um, although I don't uh, need sugar-free chocolate um, I'm trying to avoid sugar because there's lots of diabetes in my family as well and so I immediately wanted to order some of the chocolate so uh, Ross chocolates congratulations for you uh, at the other end of the spectrum, out of Vancouver, there was um, AWC, which is a water company. They um, create waterworks uh, in their building, and then it can be shipped all over the world. Instead of actually um, creating um, uh, something that uh, to make fresh water on site, instead of having to build a big, huge production plant, they actually build a mobile, like a, well, no, it's not mobile, because it gets placed uh, in the location uh, afterwards, but it's uh, almost like those houses, you know, you, you actually create a um, waterworks site complete and ready to go and then you put it wherever it's needed and you don't have to worry about um, local uh, construction materials or uh, problems on the local site or, you know, if you have to dig down into um, uh, swamps and things so it can be um, put into almost anywhere in the world and this was a fabulous video the uh, owner actually uh, had all the different directors of each part of the company speak and you really got a sense that this company is doing good things in the world and you, and, um, you really want to support them and it was uh, full video production with uh, all of the kinds of um, everything that they're doing shown online uh, on screen I was like this is awesome and then of course my favorite and because she's a friend of mine uh, Linda Pierce I went to university with her she is the founder of Cultured Cult coconut in Halifax and she did another straightforward uh, talking about how she founded the company how she began uh, how she created this uh, 
kefir, dairy-free kefir uh, in order to help her own uh, health problems. And then she brought it to the local farmer's market and now she's created a company and she's just scaling up into a brand new building. Uh, it was really fun listening to Linda talk about her business success and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, these three competitors do in the competition. Of course, the competition, there'll be regional sites where they'll look at all of the regional uh, um, companies and they'll pick a, a, a winner from each region and then each region will go to the national site and we'll have a winner for Canada. So I'm really looking forward to that and I'll let you know how it goes uh, as it goes. And uh, today the interview that I have is with Jo Notkin and she is a woman who competed in Top Chef Canada earlier this year. Uh, she didn't win, but she went to like the sixth or the seventh uh, level. And, uh, but she became famous because of her jewel box brownies. And she's now shipping those brownies all over the country. And uh, uh, everybody who's tasted them says that they're amazing. Um, I can't eat them because I can't eat gluten, but um, they look great. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, I did a story uh, about her uh, based on this interview for the Montrealers. So I'll include that in the show notes as well. So you can see how I took uh, this very long range um, interview about her experience in Top Chef Canada and put it into a story. And I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, my name is Joe Notkin. I'm the chef owner of a catering company called Zoe Ford Catering that's been around almost 11 years now based in Montreal. And we cater all over the Montreal area and beyond. And we now ship our amazing pantry of baking mixes and other treats across Canada. And uh, it, I just finished um, the season eight of Top Chef Canada, which was incredible and crazy and fantastic. And uh, <laughs> And it, uh, being 44 and being on that show is, uh, is quite something. Yeah, well, because we're, we're talking now, it's July 4th, which is <laughs> happy Independence Day to all those Americans. Yeah. <laughs> but we're actually, I don't know when people will be listening to this particular podcast episode, but you, the Top Chef was just in April. It's not that long ago. The Top Chef was in April and we filmed it in the fall. So it, it feels like you know i've i mean i've had to keep the secret secret since last august so it, it feels like forever to me <laughs> but because I, I went and i looked and I, I watched the introduction of all of you and it's like it's really a fun because it's online at the moment i don't know if it'll be still online yeah like for about well. a year oh it will be for a year yeah. oh awesome yeah. so i highly recommend going in and checking it out so <laughs> and so can you just talk a little bit about what made you do it and because you've been in the catering business for for 11 years yeah what made you decide to apply or did you apply or did they come out and recruit you no they definitely didn't recruit me although they did recruit one of the other girls um on the show maybe a couple of the guys i'm not i don't think so um i actually it 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 decided to choose me like um the this it's actually a very funny story i was um talking to a friend and he said oh a, a friend of mine wants to um apply for this show what do you think and i said i have watched like pretty much every episode of top chef us canadian all over the place and it looks completely crazy to me just absolutely crazy so if your friend wants to apply i'm sh i'm sure it'll be crazy and then um my phone overheard me and put up an ad that i should apply and then I was like, I, I was having actually just a, one of those weird days, you know, kind of like a rainy day where you're maybe kind of like grumpy. And I was just like, well, I wonder what they even ask, like just a real curiosity. And before I knew it, I'd sort of filled out the whole thing. 
And um, I, very by accident. And then I hit, I hit send. And immediately, <laughs> immediately I was like, oh no. Just absolutely immediately. I, I felt like, I felt like they might choose me because I'm older and I'm a woman owner of a business. And yeah, I, which is I, cool. I built my career on making beautiful things. So all those things tend to make for good television. And then they called me the next day and they said, we'd like to interview you. And I said, oh no. And then of course, <laughs> I just didn't really want care. You more. Yeah, but you know, I think there's something to kind of not caring in a way, like just because you're more yourself. Yeah. And then I went in for an audition and then they called me and they said, we'd love to have you on the show. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> and then you did it. So it was last autumn. So you were in like before COVID, before any of this, because this episode aired basically right. after the shutdown. Yeah. So it was almost weird watching it because everybody yeah. was hugging and it was like so connected. And like this. it was very weird timing for this episode, for these particular episodes to, to air. It was, but I will say that it did something that I think, um, you know, because none of us could be together at parties or at dinners or at restaurants, it really brought people together because every, all everybody was talking about or thinking about is like Monday night, you know, I got to get my work done. So like Monday night and I, I got to The kids are going to make popcorn and Monday night. And it was really, I felt like it saved a lot of us who were, you know, still wanting to be in the food world, but sort of obviously like isolated and everybody just looked forward to and talked about and they said I wonder what happens next week and it kind of in a way was just a magical time for it to happen even though I I wonder what would have happened had it not been lockdown mode you know but we'll never know <laughs> we won't and, and and it was I mean uh uh, I don't want to do the spoiler alert, so I won't say what actually happened to you, but you did go through, you weren't cut off in the first show. <laughs> yeah. and you, did you know, that win. was my goal. My goal was just, <laughs> just week one. Just week one. So. Yeah, you didn't win, but you did very well. I mean, yeah. you were there for a very long time and it was yeah. fun. And so do you still talk to any of the other chefs who were participating? All the time. Really? All you, the so time. you actually, because you didn't know each other going in, right? Nope. Nope. And I didn't know the Montreal chef, although we have a lot of friends in common. So oh, really? um, we, we just had never met. Yeah. And, and uh, he's incredible. So yeah, I'm in touch with him. I'm in touch with Adrian from Toronto and Stephanie um, who lives in Nova Scotia and is opening a restaurant. So we're all in touch. We're all in touch, but those are my main, main people that those I'm Those are the I people you became with. friends with. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit more about what happened uh what changed because of your experience there? Has, have you changed at all? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have thought, you know, some days, some days I think about like, wow, a year ago, I was like, I would never in a million years do that. And now that I've done it, I'm like, I can't imagine not having done it. It really, I think I, I, think I went on the show, particularly because I'm not trained. I'm, I'm self-employed. I employ people. I, I don't have that much interaction with other chefs like on a day-to-day -day basis. So I just do my thing and and in my own little bubble. So I think there was a lot of questions for me, um also based on the fact that this is like a second or third career for me. I just didn't know if what what I was capable of or where I ranked in terms of like capability. So I think 
what I got out of the show is real. I was like, Oh my God, I can do so much. <laughs> you know, like, whereas before you're really just going on like friends or clients or, you know, there's a, there's sort of small world, you know, you know, you're, you're capable, but then you sort of, you, you sort of see what you can do under pressure. And I think it really shifts your consciousness about your ability or your confidence or all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, cause maybe we can talk a little bit about what your business is then, because um, you've been around for 11 years, which is a long time in the catering field. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I sort of dipped in and out of it a couple of times. There was a point where I left to help open a catering company um, in Calgary. So I'd taken like a break for six months and then kind of came back to it. So that's really, that was about four years ago. That's when really it took off. And before then, you know, it was, it was always word of mouth trying to get people to know who I was. Um, and so we cater, you know, big and small events, mostly sort of medium sized events, anywhere from like a hundred to 300 person cocktail parties, a lot of corporate, um, a lot of kind of 50 person baby showers and engagement parties and 40th birthday parties, that kind of thing. But the goal is really always this very beautiful food that really is for everyone to enjoy. So it's nothing to out there. I often wonder if I've limited myself because I love to do a lot of out there things, but you know, you can't do that at a party for 50 people because you want everyone to leave happy. Um, <laughs> but we're not catering anything right now. I don't know if we'll go back to catering. We're, we're doing what we were sort of segueing anyways to, to wanting to open a shop. Sort this of is like Zoe a, Ford, and I should just say, because we didn't actually introduce it, it's Zoe Ford, although we will at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah Zoe Ford Catering. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were going to open a shop, so I think it, it was just, um, you know, perfect timing for us to be doing stuff that we could deliver people's houses, that they could pick up, stuff that you can enjoy like anytime during the week. We call it the Zoe Ford Deli because it's like, you know, I want a scoop of this and a scoop of that and a little chicken and a, some gravlax and you know, it's kind of a mix and match. And you're we doing do, deliveries then? So we do do deliveries. Yeah. We do some deliveries on Saturdays. People can pick up on Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, we, you know, we try to expand as much as we can to make it convenient for people. Um, and uh, it, I mean, it's been a lot shifting, but it's also kind of cool to be able to be in a pressure situation where you have to shift and see what you can do. I kind of like those challenges. So it's been great. Ah, so when did you start doing that? Because in April, we were still shut down. You couldn't even do that, right? We did do it in April. Oh, we you were able it, to do it in April? We did it the first week of the lockdown. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, probably, um, yeah, so first or second week of April. Yeah, I think okay. we got going first or second week of April. Yeah, we were, I mean, it was hard at first because we would wash everything down and, you know, it was hard to shop for anything. And, you know, it was like a hazmat suit to go shopping. We oh, were very, very careful. Yeah. So we're still careful, um, obviously, but you know, you, you, you now understand the parameters a little bit more. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also just getting used to that because I run a farmer's market and we started doing deliveries as well uh, as soon as we were allowed to. Um, because we didn't know if we'd get to have the farmer. As it turns out, we could have the farmer's market as well, but with no artisans, just with the food. Okay. And so it's like six instead of 12, but um, it's a very small thing. But I mean, we started doing deliveries too, and it was just really fun to figure out, okay, how can we survive through this anyway? And also promote local food, which is important. Yeah, so important, so important. I mean, we were there were times where we were trying to buy something and... They were like, we were trying to buy endives and they said, oh, we haven't had any shipments from Belgium for three weeks. And I was like, oh, of course, this is what you, 
this is this is the this is the system we built that like all the things we depend on sort of come in from other places so yeah, yeah. it definitely had me thinking a lot but um I like that idea that it's like, you know, what, well, what now, you know, I I would tell myself in the beginning, you can cry for like five minutes a day and then you got to move on, you know? And, (laughs) and and I think there were a lot of restaurants that were sort of feeling like, we'll wait and see what happens. And I just felt like there's no point in waiting. A lot is going to be different for a long time. What does it look like? You, You can't really lament what you can no longer do. You just sort of have to like move forward. And I think that is something that comes from the show. It's like, you know, you're, you're on the show and you're like, I'm going to make this great broccoli dish. And well, there's no broccoli. So you have 12 seconds to pivot and (laughs) you don't have a choice. You're making something else and it better be amazing. And there's no excuses. Like if it doesn't turn out well, you can't be like, you know, on national television. Well, there wasn't any broccoli. (laughs) You You just have to move on. And, and, and kudos to you even more if, your whole plan was based around broccoli. There's no broccoli and you win anyways. You know, it's yeah. like that kind of mentality. So I don't know, maybe in some way it prepared me to sort of say like, no matter what, you sink or swim, no matter what, it's your choice, you know, so. Well, and you said that you've expanded to deliveries across the country. How is that working? Well, we, yeah, so, um, you know, we had a bunch of plans that we were going to do to coincide with the show. And then when we realized, okay, the, none of those plans can go into effect, I had a friend who used to produce a, a, a food television show in the U.S. And he said to me, people will always want like a piece of you. So you should sell like t-shirts or aprons. And I was like, well, I'm not really a t-shirt kind of girl. So maybe I'll do some like of our baking mixes. And that way, oh. you know, we could, we could kind of still be in people's houses and, you know, share our delicious food with them. And we started shipping across Canada. And once, you know, the show was on and, um, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but once there was some excitement in the show around baking, uh, it just sort of took off and people are loving it. And what I love about it is that, um, we're going to kind of build a whole community around it about using what you have, which is something we call zoifying. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we're in the kitchen and we have to do, let's say a hundred of something, I'm like, I love this recipe, but we have to zoify it. And it really <laughs> means streamlining something. It really means using what you have. You know, if you have like red wine vinegar, but you don't have white wine vinegar, it's like, how do you manage with what you have to get the most amazing result? And how do you sort of like, you know, um, pare down your time so that you want an amazing result, but you don't want to be in the kitchen the entire day. That's the art of zoifying. And that is what we're trying to like share with people. You know, I think people think of like baking mixes, like, oh, I didn't make it from scratch. I'm like, we just started it for you. You know, you have to finish it and add stuff to it and glaze it and like do whatever you want with it. So that's sort of our next You're creating the presentation. We created the flavor. (laughs) Yeah. If if you didn't bake it from scratch, who's to know? know? (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. Um, so what, uh, can you talk a little bit, because this is for, um, uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be doing a, a profile on you for the Montrealer as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about your attachment to Montreal and what's been happening here? Cause you said you went out to Calgary briefly and then you came back and, and can you talk a little bit about your relationship to the city as your business, as a businesswoman? Cause yeah, it's well, hard to be a businesswoman anywhere. Yeah. It's hard to be in business. It's hard to be in business as a woman. It's hard to be in the food business. I mean, I've really picked the trifecta of difficult (laughs) things. Um, I lived in Toronto for 10 years, actually, um, from 19 to 29. I've lived in Calgary. I've lived in Rhode Island, um, Boston. 
Um, but you know, I always ended up back in Montreal and I would always say the same thing because I have moments where Montreal drives me bananas when the language laws come in, because I think like as an Anglophone, I want to be bilingual. I like that about the city. I like that about, you know, Quebec that we do have the opportunity to be French and English and it's amazing. I love all the French, but I, I, I would never want to be like one or the other. I love that I can be in the, in the middle. But that can be challenging when you're running a business, those language laws um, and being an English business owner, that's always a challenge where you're like, what, you know, my clients are all English and how much French do, needs to be there. Yeah. So that's always, you know, that's my bone to pick with Montreal. But I always ended up back here. And one of the reasons I give people, they say, well, why did you end up going back? And I'm like, you can get a really amazing croissant on any street corner. And what that meant to me was like, there's like a real joie de vivre in Montreal that is about, you know, anywhere you go, like you can get a cheese or a, you know, when I was living in Calgary, there were no fruit and vegetable shops. It was like grocery store. And I, and I think I really realized that Montreal has these kind of mom and pop fruit and vegetable stores. You go to the market and, you know, in other cities, there might be strawberries in the grocery store, but it's not the same experience as going to an outdoor market where every week you you see the produce change throughout the entire season. And yeah. those things to me in Montreal are like the most special. It really celebrates like when it is asparagus season, you know it. <laughs> when it is strawberry season, you know it. It is on every menu. It's in everything. It comes in the container that is from that era. So, um, it, you know, just that, just that there's a real attention to detail in the way we live kind of in that world of food has always been like the most special to me, like from childhood to now. So that's my, like, that's what makes me feel so good about Montreal. Oh, that's an, I have uh, celiac disease, so I can't actually eat gluten. And I was so happy to find they have croissants that are gluten-free here. <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> I and they like, actually look pretty good. Pardon? They looked pretty good, actually. Oh, the Marquis ones are amazing. I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had them, but they're actually, oh. it's not quite a regular croissant, according to my husband, who still eats both. <laughs> but it's so close that I don't miss croissants, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's actually yeah, really but See, exciting. even you, as a Montrealer, it's like, it's a staple in the diet. Exactly, exactly. But when you go anywhere else, you realize that they don't have that the same way, or a lot of places don't have that in the same way, you know, yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a fabulous city, and the diversity here is is incredible too. I mean, I'm actually from Toronto, so I moved to Montreal when everybody moved the other way. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I I I just want to talk about the businesswoman thing because mm-hmm. that is being an entrepreneur in the city is um is really fun because there's an, a, a creativity that that's there, but it's also a bit of a challenge just in any place. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've overcome? Maybe uh, uh you know something difficult that that you managed to I mean other than just having a successful business by itself which is difficult enough do you have an anecdote of something that you actually accomplished that was hard um well I'll tell you a couple of things first of all this is my third business when I was 18 I designed and manufactured jewelry for Aldo shoes and from my (gasps) dorm room in Toronto I shipped um these huge boxes um to the head office in Montreal and they would ship them across Canada, the U S and Israel. So that was for two years from 18 to 20. I did that to pay for school. And then I started a textile business where um, that business was written up in over a hundred publications. So I think 
the reason that I never, I never flinched in being a businesswoman was because in my family, it was flipped. My dad played the role of the mom and my mom played the role of the dad, so to speak. Um, so my mother worked all the time and my dad would drive us to birthday parties and skating and ballet and whatever, you know? So I, and I, I took a course, um, in university, I must've been in my early twenties and it was about, um, women in business, I think, or something to that effect. And in the class, for the first half of the class, I had like absolutely no idea what they were talking about. Women struggling, you know, to be, <laughs> you to, to be equal. I was like, what are you talking about? My mother works so hard. I have no idea what you're talking about. I really didn't know because mm -hmm. my experience was always like, here's this woman who's at the top of her field as an occupational therapist. And my father, you know, goes grocery shopping and whatever. And I really didn't get it till I was, you know, my mid twenties. So to me, the, I've never really looked at it like a businesswoman versus whatever. I will say that recently I've noticed that all the restaurants that have reopened and are doing really well and that are getting a lot of attention and talked about are all male owned. They're all male run. They're all male owned. I can't, even though some are men and women, I cannot think of one that is like a woman chef running the show, her thing, you know, self-made and is really at the forefront. And that does bother me. And mm -hmm. not, not because I think women should be, I just think it, it's strange that it's not an even playing field in that regard. Right. Right. In terms of the attention that people are getting. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the guys is all the, all the blogs that are talking about the restaurants opening that they're, they're all 99% of them are these male chefs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, in terms of, uh, we were talking about the name of Zoe Ford. Um, you actually have named your catering company um, after your grandmother. It's such a cool story. Can you tell us, talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, I actually came up with the name to name a company, Zoe Ford. Um, my grandmother's name was Zoe Notkin, which is my last name. But before that, her name was Esther Feinstone. And a very good friend of hers who is a famous American painter named Teresa Bernstein decided to change her name so that she would sound more affluent and, you know, would be, would be a better name to meet like doctors and lawyers with when they went to parties. <laughs> uh, but the name stuck. She was always known as Zoe the rest of her life. Nobody ever knew that she had another name. You know, I mean, in this time of, of, you know, Black Lives Matter and talking about, you know, the, the justice amongst many different groups of people. My grandmother was hiding the fact that she was Jewish. You know, to what degree, I mean, I'll never know. You know, she was born in 1908. Um, it, you certainly didn't want to go around and be like, guess what, I'm Jewish. You know, I think you, you still don't in a lot of ways. And I think it's amazing what's coming to light now about, you know, what groups of people, what happened to them at whatever point. And, and I think there's a, a constant reminder of that in choosing this name of like where you come from, what you've done, you know, how you integrate that into wherever you move to. So um, the name represents a lot of things, but mostly it represents a lot about my grandmother who was like an unbelievable um, homemaker and cook. And she, you know, when at, at a time when probably a lot of, you know, sort of mothers and grandmothers were cooking a certain type of food. My grandmother was cooking French food. You know, my grandmother was like a disciple of like Julia Child and everything was just so, and the china was just so, and the silver was placed at a certain point in the table and every bit of it was perfect. And we used to call her house, um, which is near Westmount Park in, uh, or actually, sorry, Murray Hill Park in, in Westmount in Montreal. Um, we used to call her house the old cookie farm. 
<laughs> and it was because you'd go and any given time, there'd be like a multitude of cookies to choose from, you know, like fresh baked cookies or brownies or whatever. We call it the cookie, the old cookie farm. Wow. That's so There's a sad. debate about who invented that cookie farm. <laughs> Apparently I said it, but who, who knows? It's a, it's a wonderful, like it alludes to so many wonderful things like cookies on a farm, like, you know. Yeah. Oh, and you, you're telling me the logo actually comes from her, some of her handwriting or... So I have a recipe book and because she was so prim and proper, like all the recipes are written longhand in pencil in a, in a special binder. Yeah. Wow. And every single recipe, like I should write a book about it. Every single recipe, it will say like, you know, Mrs. Cohen's coffee cake and like, you know, Judith Levy's uh, cheese blintzes and like every, it's every, you know, at that time, now we just hop online, but at that time, like for you to get a recipe from somebody playing while you're playing cards or something, you know, I mean, this is a big deal. You've yeah. got so-and-so's carrot cake or German chocolate cake, or like you're, that's sacred, you know? Yeah. I remember as a kid, cause it was before the internet. Um, my mother used to make monster dough, which was just her version of sourdough because everyone would share their sourdough, but yeah. it was called monster dough. Cause we had to feed it every day. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's amazing. It that's was so, so fun. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, everybody would make a batch of cookies for Christmas and you'd all give one portion to everybody. So like you would all have uh, nine or 10 versions of cookies at Christmas, but you would have only made one of them. Yeah. Love it. Stuff like that is really important. All those kinds of food traditions are uh, uh, really, and then they're carrying on in your business. It's so fun. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we started doing the baking mixes and we're going to expand in the fall. We have like about 10 more that we're going to add. Uh -huh. um, going into like the holiday season, but they're all like my favorite recipes that every time I make them, you know, they just taste so good. So it's what like, are they? Which, which ones so are right they? now we have um, big time brownies, which are really like deep fudgy brownie mix. We have carroty cake, which is a very carroty carrot cake. Um, that's always a showstopper. It's so good. Um, we have chocolate chippers, which is like a, just a really classic, but crazy delicious chocolate chip recipe. Uh, we have a spice scone mix. We had a debate about what flavor the scones should be. Those might change. I'm not sure, but they're, they're fantastic. They're really good. We use, we, we recommend using heavy cream in them to make like a cream biscuit and they're like off the charts, delicious. And then we talk to people about like adding, like I would add blackberries to that and, whatever's in season, you can add to it. Um, and then we have a spice mix that we call magic seasoning, which is just it's so fantastic. So we make something with it called magic chicken. But to be fair to everybody, vegans and vegetarians, we just call it magic seasoning. We used to call it magic chicken right. rub. Yeah. Now it's magic seasoning. So you can put it on vegetables and tofu and whatever, whatever you have. Yeah. Seitan or whatever, just to make yeah. Yeah, oh, so good. So good. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Elevating just thinking about magic seasoning. So good. Oh, no, it's like it's lucky dinner soon. <laughs> it's funny because somebody asked us once we made it, we made it at a party this chicken and they were like, "What is this chicken?" And I just right away I answer, "It's magic chicken." You know, like there's no other way to you can't really describe it. It's like all these crazy spices. So I'm just like, "It's magic." Oh my god, that's and then it's stuck. Yeah. Um, actually, let me get the basics down too. How many employees do you have? Where is your office located? Can people pick up food here or is it all by delivery? So we, well, we did used to have a lot of people working with us. We've always had sort of contract workers because as you know, catering is so seasonal. So mm -hmm. right now it's just three of us, okay. uh, but that's fine because we're kind of pared down and shifting anyways. 
we, um, we get people to order by Tuesdays at five or they can call me and maybe squeak in on a Wednesday. Uh, and then that gives us time to like shop and prepare everything. And then we do pickups on Thursday or Friday at the kitchen. People can call and arrange a pickup time. All the ordering is online at zoeford.com, which is amazing. We've like really streamlined it. Um, and then if somebody wants a delivery, uh, there's a minimum of $150. And then we deliver on Saturdays, most areas in the city. It says it on the website, all the little details. But right. uh, yeah, like if you're having people over on a Thursday, you can order on a Thursday and customize it so that you have a little bit of everything. And it's really fun and everything is like so delicious. I just did some deliveries today and I, I put the door, at, the bag at somebody's door and I was like, I'd like to eat this. Like, so <laughs> you didn't good. make enough to take for lunch. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I always know when I've hit on something special because I'm like, I'd like to eat that. It's just like an, you know, like a, like a childhood feeling of like looking over at your friend and being like, I want that sandwich, you know? So yeah. Yeah, meal envy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so where is your kitchen? Uh, it's in St. Henry. In St. Henry. Oh, okay. Yep. Not, that Not far from the Outwater Market, just a few blocks away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so great. So you can go and get fresh stuff all the time then. All the time. <laughs> um, and are there any um, questions that I should have I've been asking you about running a business in Montreal or things that you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, this big pivot is sort of the crucial part of this story, I think, because it's, uh, so much has happened to you this year. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it's crazy. I, I think like, I think, you know, it's hard not having a storefront for people to get to know what we do. So we try to build a lot of our story on Instagram. I do, um, like a little cooking class once a week on Wednesdays, which has been fantastic. We get about a thousand views oh, per video. It's, it's all about the art of zoophying. So for example, this past Wednesday, I did something called fake blueberry ice cream, which sounds fake, but what it really is, is a non-dairy, super fast frozen dessert. So it's essentially like, we, it, this would be fantastic for you. You're going to have to try this and tell me. <laughs> I'm definitely going to try it. <laughs> yeah, you take berries and you'll watch the video. It's so simple. Take berries. Usually I would try to use raspberries or blueberries, like a juicy kind of berry. If you're using strawberries, you might want to like chop them up a little bit smaller. And then you use a couple of egg whites and some sugar and you put it in your mixer with a whisk attachment and you let it whip mm -hmm. and it whips up into a beautiful thick meringue and then you freeze it. Oh and that's God, it. That sounds And then amazing. you like freeze it overnight. You scoop it the next day. You eat it on a cone or in a bowl, like covered in fruits. I like to crush up chocolate cookies and put them on top. And <laughs> I don't understand how you can eat so many cookies. Like you're so slim. <laughs> Trust me, the other day I was like, why do these pants seem like they're falling down? And I'm like, no, they just can't stay up. So, you know, I have to watch. I'm always, I'm always trying to watch. You know, it's like taste everything, eat nothing, that kind of theory. Like, yeah. Always snacking on everything. But so we do videos like that every week. Every Wednesday, I try to post a video always with something that's like, you know, I don't want to rush a recipe, but I also want to take a recipe that I know is going to be amazing and try and do it in a minimal amount of time so that I have time to either be with my guests or make it ahead if I know people are coming over. So I have something special. I could make this on Tuesday and on Friday you know, I don't have to worry about making dessert. So yeah. that's something we're doing. And, and also because we don't have a storefront, it's really hard to sort of like get across what we do. And I always say it's kind of classic with a twist. So we might do a Caesar salad, but we might take it to the next level by putting shaved vegetables in it. Or we might do, you know, some cookies and add 
something really interesting into it. Or the scones we do might be like cheese and some kind of, you know, incredible herb that we find. So we're always doing something really familiar and kind of twisting it. Um, like carrot cake scones we do sometimes. Those are, those are ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But like crushed hazelnuts on top. So good. So, yeah. you know, I mean, getting people to know what we do and what we're about um, is always hard without a shop, but we really are trying to convey that with the videos and our online presence. And um, we just love hearing from people. Every time I get an email from people that are like, oh my God, my family is going crazy. Can you cook for us all the time? Like that just warms my heart to no end. And it's funny because I cooked for a family where she's like a nutritionist and I can almost guarantee she never put salt in anything. And so- you know, we send a meal and the family went bananas and she's like, what's the trick? And I'm like, honey, use, just put a little salt. <laughs> like, we'll change everything. So. I love those conversations with our clients though, you know, where they're like, oh, we thought something was too spicy or whatever. We love that kind of feedback. It really helps us make stuff that people will enjoy for a long time to come or to share with their friends and family. So how do you, as you see the future unraveling in this very, um, unknowing time <laughs> um do you do you expand do you plan to expand the um the deliveries across uh, canada do you have a, what what's your growth plan you know i like to think of it kind of like um you know how do we how do we help people entertain all over the place so the things that we can ship across canada like we're doing these crazy spiced, like sugary kind of spicy nuts. So those are going to go into our pantry. We do something called cheesy cashews. Don't even ask. You just have to taste them. They're uh, incredible. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, we do these olive flatbreads that are like kind of crackers. All that stuff is going to go into the pantry this fall. And we'll be able to ship that across Canada with all of our baking mixes that we're going to expand to. And then we really just hope to kind of spread the word in Montreal and help people. You know, I always say like, as, as busy as we all are, we still all somehow want to cook every day, you know? So this in a way just makes it a little bit easier having some stuff that is sort of has a homemade flavor to it. We really take care to make sure everything is super delicious, you know, loading your fridge up with that, like, you know, over the weekend so that the start to your week is maybe a little bit smoother. So that's our, that's our goal to kind of like help people ease through the week, especially as like kids are going back to school and probably people are going to feel crazy in the fall. And then, um, you know, long-term goals. I mean, we really love what we do and the food feels so special to us. So we just want to share that with as many people as possible. So how, how much of it can we get across Canada? We'll see. I hope a lot, but, uh, I, I love the interaction with people. So I hope that we get to put more in the pantry and share more and yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I guess you will open your space at some point again. I mean, like, right you know. now it's like, I say every 12 minutes we start to th think something new. <laughs> it's like For 12 minutes, everything is stable. And then you're like, Oh, this, Oh, no, we can't get that anymore. Oh, we can't get this anymore. Oh, okay. You know. You're in a reality show. <laughs> you did a reality show last year, last fall, and it prepared you for life as a reality show. <laughs> it, you know, it really did. You just have to, you have to just roll with the punches. You, you just, you have to roll with the punches and you also can't use it as an excuse. You really just have to say you have two choices. You're either going to figure out a way to make it happen or you don't. Both are fine. It's just that it, it would be very easy to say, oh, well, we'll just close. But instead, I think we have to work twice as hard and say like, well, how do we really talk to more people or share with more people or 
you know, make things that more people need right now. So it's like a, it's like a brain shift all the time. And then, you know, it'll shift again and shift again. And we're just along for the ride, right? (laughs) Yes. And now, you know, my last question, which is, um, are you a Canadian? Do you consider yourself a Canadian? If so, what does that mean to you? I mean, definitely Canadian. (laughs) It's funny because um, when I was on the show, you know, people have seen reality shows forever and ever. And I think they um, always equate reality shows with like people not being nice or people being conniving. And, you know, Top Chef Canada, I think someone on last season um, renamed it Top Friend. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, it's so Canadian. Being on that show, I was like, there's nothing more Canadian. We're all helping each other out. I'm, I'm sure the producers are like, could you guys fight a little bit? <laughs> could you just say something not nice about someone? You know, and of course, none of us would. And um, that They don't have crazy. a Simon on Top Chef. <laughs> they don't have what? A Simon Cowell on Top yeah, Chef. <laughs> no. But I wish they did. I'm sure they, they wish something like that would happen. There was very little of that that went on. If, if any. And I think like that to me is, you know, when I say like, uh, couldn't be more Canadian than that, it's just people just being so nice, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think growing up, I always like, we, you know, we summered a lot in the U.S. and I think I was always my grandmother's American. So I think I always had one foot in either. But, you know, Canada is a comfortable, happy place. And I think as the years go on, I realize more and more, we're so lucky. We're really a lucky bunch to live here. We are. We're very lucky. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's awesome yeah. talking to you and congratulations on your, uh, on your pivot. It's really cool. It's, and, uh, it's exhausting, but every week when we deliver food, I'm like, I just makes me so happy. <laughs> thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Profile Your Business. You struggle to tell your business story well? ProfileYourBusiness.ca Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.